Madia Lacan was dead in mid-March 2015, the victim of a suicide bomber on the streets of Kabul, if the official account is to be believed. Madiola was Aruzgan's provincial chief of police, and a warlord with a history of violence and brutality. He was also the leader of a militia, who extorted travelers and convoys along the road that led from Kandahar to Terankot, Aruzgan's capital. Madiola made a lot of money from this racket, millions of dollars a month, and, when Karzai finally appointed him to the title of police chief, he seemed to use this power to keep Aruzgan secure. But Madiola was dead and any time a powerful warlord dies, a power vacuum appears. To the people of Aruzgan, particularly the Popolzai tribe who dominated the political offices of the province despite being in the minority, Rahimullah Khan, Madiola's brother, would be next in line. Rahimullah told the Sydney Morning Herald, All eleven tribes still respect the house of Madiola Khan, and said, They put their turbans on my head as they promised to work for unity in Aruzgan. I am the chief of all the tribes. It's a huge responsibility, but I don't worry, because God and my nation are with me. Well, God may have been with Rahimullah, but newly elected president Ashraf Ghani was not. Hamid Karzai, a Popolzai who propped up his own tribe in Aruzgan throughout his presidency, was no longer in charge. Ghani, a Western-educated technocrat, was not going to have Rahimullah Khan inherit his brother's title. To Ghani, this was everything wrong with the Afghan patronage system. The title of provincial police chief was not some feudal claim to be passed along tribal or family lines. Rahimullah was illiterate and lacked military experience, and therefore not at all qualified for the job. But Rahimullah's lack of qualifications did not stop elders and tribal leaders from Aruzgan from petitioning President Ghani. They even made trips to Kabul to plead with the president to allow Rahimullah to take up his brother's title. Eventually, a compromise was reached, and Rahimullah was made the deputy police chief. But this compromise wouldn't work out. Keep in mind, these Popolzai soldiers and the highway police were loyal to Rahimullah, and by extension, Hamid Karzai, along tribal lines. Who was this new Western-backed president to tell them who would rule Aruzgan? Remember from episode 2 a quote that said the Taliban would retake Aruzgan? Well... Rahimullah Khan would be instrumental in allowing that to happen. I'm Kyle Reynolds, and this is Green and White. Ghani likely didn't want Rahimullah Khan anywhere near a position of power. As the Western-backed presidential candidate, Ashraf Ghani ran on a campaign against rampant corruption. Ghani, a Gilzai Pashtun, certainly viewed the Popolzai monopoly on power in Aruzgan as a prime example of this corruption. But keep in mind, Ghani had to renounce his U.S. citizenship to run for president of Afghanistan, and his life away from his home country probably taught him to be a Western idealist rather than a realist. And when dealing with Afghanistan, it is tough to ignore years of Western thinking and indoctrination. The Afghan people are realists, and their lives and progress as a nation have been interrupted by years of imposed war. For Gandhi to think Rahimullah Khan would have no part in Aruzgan was naive. When Gandhi's advisors told him much of the police force in Aruzgan belonged to Rahimullah, Gandhi had no choice but to accept a compromise or risk hundreds of men walking away from their posts especially along the Kandahar-Terencote Highway. 
but the compromise, like I said, didn't work. Aruzgan's leadership was in shambles after Madiullah Khan's assassination, and, coupled with a massive drawdown of international troops, the Taliban were poised to make gains in Aruzgan. 2015 saw Afghan forces take record numbers of casualties. All throughout the country, Afghan forces held provincial capitals and most district centers. However, Afghan forces in the smaller districts and at checkpoints in remote areas were constantly harassed and pinned down by the Taliban. By confining Afghan forces to district centers and outposts, the Taliban secured freedom of maneuver throughout most of Aruzgan. The army and police forces were too frightened to leave their infrastructure and pursue the Taliban. Soldiers, and especially the police, began deserting en masse. And that is the situation Rahimullah Khan inherited. All around him, men were not relieved or resupplied. Rahimullah didn't have the military know-how or the money to persuade his men to fight. With every Taliban victory and every ANA or ANP death, morale continued to deteriorate. The chief of police, Rahimullah's boss, per the compromise, was fired and replaced a couple of times within a year. The first replacement was assassinated a month after Madiullah was killed. And in late January 2016, ten police officers were killed at an outpost in Aruzgan. One policeman, a Taliban insider, poisoned his comrades and shot them all in the head while they were incapacitated. He made off with weapons, uniforms, and ammunition and joined the insurgency. A similar incident occurred in mid-January 2016 when nine policemen were killed in an insider attack. Again, the turncoats made off with weapons and ammunition. Police in Aruzgan often sexually abuse underage boys in a practice called bachabazi. Commanders have these dancing boys perform at their checkpoints, and the Taliban use this to their advantage. Although they deny doing so, the Taliban have used underage boys to infiltrate police stations and drug the occupants. The boy then kills the police or calls in older Taliban members to raid the checkpoint. But Rahimullah still had his brother's militia. One can assume he had some of his brother's money as well. Keep in mind, Matiola was making millions of dollars per month and using the cash to pay his soldiers, and we know those highway police were loyal to Rahimullah, so we can infer they were still getting paid. Meanwhile, the other police in Aruzgan were not being supplied because the Taliban controlled most of the roads and were not being paid because corrupt commanders were skimming money off their soldiers' paychecks. We know these factors contribute to desertion, but Rahimullah's men were still being paid and supplied. But they deserted their posts too, all on Rahimullah's orders. There are a few articles from May 2016 saying Rahimullah was summoned to Kabul to be fired after he ordered his men to abandon their checkposts along the kandahar Terencote Highway. You see, Rahimullah had a habit of ordering his men off their posts. The first time was after Madiullah's death and before the government agreed to the compromise granting Rahimullah the deputy police commander position. And any time rumors started that Rahimullah was going to be fired, police seemed to walk away. But the incident in April and May allowed the Taliban to take control of the highway, cutting off Terran Coat from Kandahar for the first time in 2016. A co-director of the Afghan Analyst Network told the AFP, With Rahimullah, there have been a lot of complaints that he intentionally gave up security posts in an effort to undermine his superiors and strengthen his own position. Rahimullah's uncle told the press, 
There will be bloodshed inside Terran Cote if the government goes ahead with his dismissal. And Rahimullah was eventually removed from his deputy police chief position, but he was not removed from power. Again, the Ministry of the Interior was worried about even more violence and desertions if Rahimullah was removed entirely, so he was allowed to retain control of his highway battalion. The Kandahar-Tarankot Highway was cleared and reopened after Lieutenant General Razik, the police chief of neighboring Kandahar province, led his men in operations to retake the vital road. Razik, a feared warlord more powerful than even Madiullah Khan, used his men to do what Aruzgan's police and Rahimullah could not do, reopen the vital artery through which needed supplies flowed. Razik also claimed that the Kandahar portion of the road would be under his control in an effort to prevent another security collapse. Although Razik's relationship with Madiullah Khan was good, he blamed Rahimullah for the security collapse. But before Razik could station his own men along the Kandahar portion of the highway, Lashkargah, the capital of neighboring Helmand province, a historical Taliban stronghold, came under attack and Razik was once again forced to use his Kandahar police to supplement another province's forces. And just as the situation in Helmand became manageable, Rahimullah Khan ordered his men to abandon their check posts yet again as the Taliban pushed into Aruzgan's capital in early September. The Taliban pushed into the capital, but were repelled by security forces in Tarankot. However, the Taliban were successful in cutting the Kandahar-Tarankot Highway for a second time that year. Again, General Razik, assisted by U.S. airstrikes, cleared the route. He received a hero's welcome in Tarankot and vowed to stay in the province until the situation was under control. And although Terran Coat was under Afghan control, morale in the rural parts of Aruzgan continued to erode. I mentioned earlier how the Taliban would poison and kill policemen, but the morale was so low in September and October that the Taliban only had to offer money and food to the police on the check posts in exchange for their surrender. Taliban social media accounts showed former Afghan soldiers and police with flowers around their neck among the Taliban. They vowed they would never again fight for the government, and the Taliban gave them cash and sometimes a ride back home. And what of Rahimullah Khan and his men? On September 18, 2016, seven Afghan policemen were killed in a U.S. airstrike on a police checkpoint outside of Tarankot. At least, that is how it was reported the next day in Western media outlets. But even as U.S. forces told the media they were still investigating, Lieutenant General Razik told the media his side of the story. He had called in the airstrike, after men were seen firing on traffic along the road. Razak claimed the men were dressed in civilian clothes, and later claimed it didn't matter if they were police or not, they were acting in support of the Taliban. Rahimullah Khan claimed they were his men, police in uniform, killed by Razak who wanted to become the king of southern Afghanistan. Razik's story came out a day later, but it was Rahimullah Khan who was quoted by the AFP, the French press agency, in the hours following the incident. It was unclear what really happened. Razik claimed the men were acting in support of the Taliban, and after listening to this episode on Rahimullah Khan, it's easy to see a history of nefarious behavior. Of course, Razik is also a warlord, and the truth of that incident 
probably falls somewhere in the middle. When Rozik entered into Terencote, a hero, and promised to stay in the province, he used his connections to have Rahimullah Khan removed from his spot as the highway commander. Over the next few months, Lieutenant General Rozik likely had a hand in the appointment of a new provincial police chief and the new highway battalion commander. Neither of those two men were Popolzai Pashtuns. And that's the story of the Khans and their fall from power in Aruzgan province. I hope the introduction of Lieutenant General Rozik in this episode was not too confusing. He is arguably the most powerful man in southern Afghanistan, and with Rahimullah's removal, Razak was able to expand his influence from Kandahar into Aruzgan province. Razak will be a topic for a future episode or 12. He's incredibly influential. As always, thanks for listening to this podcast. My goal is to raise awareness for the Afghan war and generate interest in America's forgotten conflict. I hope you've learned something. And if you have, please subscribe, leave a review, and of course, tell your friends.